Sure, the Sacramento Kings lost their preseason home opener to the Golden State Warriors tonight, but I saw exactly what I wanted to see out of the Kings. I'll explain. Plus, we'll discuss Chris Duarte in the starting lineup. Could this actually be a long-term solution? It's all right here for you on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC 10 News. And if you were listening last week on the Locked on Kings podcast, after the Kings lost to the the Lakers, I talked about this preseason game three, their their first home game of the year against the Golden State Warriors. And I told you I needed to see one thing. And if I saw that one thing, I would be happy. And that one thing was I wanted to see the Sacramento Kings offense that we know and love, the offense from last season that rose the Sacramento Kings from bottom of the league or towards the bottom of the league, playoff drought into third seed and a team that many believe could actually beat and nearly did beat the Golden State Warriors in the opening round of the playoffs. That offense that the Sacramento Kings made the foundation of their success, that offense that became the Kings' identity, That's what I wanted to see tonight. Now, I knew I wasn't going to see it for the typical 35 to 48 minutes that we normally see it. Why? Because I knew the Sacramento Kings starters and main players and main rotation was not going to be featured the entire night. Why would it? It's preseason. But for the start of the game specifically, out of the gate, the first quarter, I needed the Kings to make a strong impression. And they came out of the gate red hot. They scored 38 points in the first quarter. They could not miss from three to start this game. I got exactly what I was looking for from the Kings out of the gate. Enough to make me look at the remainder of that game, to look at the final score, even though it doesn't matter in preseason, look at the Kings going 0-3 in preseason to this point, recognize that there still is work to be done on both ends of the ball, but especially on the defensive end, that Mike Brown is still trying to figure things out. Take all of that into account, recognize that there's still work to do, but still say, okay, this Kings team definitely can get better, but they are still the dynamic and dangerous offensive superpower that we believe them to be and that they became last season. I got the reassurance that I was looking for tonight from that first quarter alone. And really offensively, Sacramento was solid for pretty much the the entire game. They had some lulls at time. They certainly cooled off with their three-point shooting. They once again had another very high-volume three-point shooting game. We'll talk about that later on in the podcast. So there were definitely lulls, and this wasn't a perfect offensive game by any means. But the closest thing that we are going to see to true Sacramento King basketball, which is the starters playing together right out of the gate. If you didn't know any better, with the exception of Steph Curry and Draymond Green not playing, if you didn't know any better, this the, the first minutes of this game were what very well could be the best starting lineup that the Sacramento Kings are going to throw out there for the majority uh, of this season. 
we wanted to see that group perform as if they were taking on the Golden State Warriors for real, as if this was October 27th and it was game two of the season, Sacramento Kings true home opener, Kings and Warriors playoff rematch, right? And the Kings came out of the gate and they showed me what I wanted to see on the offensive end, so I'm not worried about the loss. Truly, I could care less about the loss. I could care less about the result. I saw some people saying, man, the Sacramento Kings couldn't even beat the Golden State Warriors without Steph Curry and without Draymond Green, and they were at pretty much full strength. That wasn't the point of this game whatsoever. And even so, in the first quarter, the Sacramento Kings built to a 15-point lead. Now, if Steph Curry and Draymond Green were playing... Would that have been a 15-point lead? I don't know. Would the Warriors have been able to cut down that 15-point lead as quick as they did? Probably. Like, who cares? That context is for a later day. I don't care anything about anything the Golden State Warriors did. I don't care who had a good game over there. I don't care who had big moments. I don't care about anything that the Warriors are doing because truly it doesn't matter to me. Everything from this game was about what the Sacramento Kings could show me. And if they could remind me of the offense that we know that they have, that we saw last season, that we really hadn't seen very much in this uh, in the preseason to this point. I got that, so I'm happy. But I need more. Specifically, I need more of Chris Duarte as a starter. I need to see more. Because I thought this was going to be a temporary thing. I thought this was going to be an experiment by Mike Brown to mainly send a message to the the rest of the roster, mainly his guards, like, I need this level of defensive impact. This is how we're going to guard the pick and roll. This is how we're going to guard the perimeter. We're not going to chase the ball. We're going to cut the ball off. We're going to be physical. We're going to make them feel us on the perimeter and not chase them and allow them to get downhill, either attack the rim, spray out for threes, get us into foul trouble. We are not going to do that. We are going to play physical perimeter defense, and it starts with the guards. That was the message that I thought Mike was sending with Chris Duarte. I didn't think that was the only point, as if Mike was saying there's no chance that Chris can actually be our starter, but I'm going to put him in for this game to send a message to Kevin Herter and the rest. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I thought that we were going to see Chris Duarte as a starter. The message was going to be sent. Chris would probably have some good moments here or there, but ultimately we'd see, yeah, that's Kevin Herter's starting spot. Chris was just kind of keeping it warm for a day. That's not how I feel at all after watching this game. Now, to be very, very clear, I still think this is Kevin Herter's spot. Right, I, I, Duarte has to do more to take this spot. But the Kings have the remainder of the preseason to see more from Chris Duarte. And I want to see more than just one game. And I want to see more of Chris Duarte against, or than just against one team. Because the next preseason game the Sacramento Kings play on Wednesday is against the Golden State Warriors again. Which I have no freaking clue why the NBA thought it was a good idea for the Kings to play the Warriors twice right before the playing the Warriors the second game of the season. And then to end the preseason playing the Utah Jazz on the second night of a back-to-back. And then their first game of the season is against the Utah Jazz. I have no idea what the schedule maker is thinking. It's stupid. It's dumb. But I'm going to get off my soapbox and get back to the Chris Duarte point. What I wanted, what I was curious to see with this Chris Duarte thing was, okay, the defense probably should look better and, and, and probably will look better. Like, Kevin Herter is not a very good defender. We know this, right? But you, you put up with his defense because of how much of a, uh, an asset he is on the offensive end of the ball. Chris Duarte, in theory, should be a better defender for the Sacramento Kings. So, number one, do we see noticeable defensive improvement with the Kings lineup? Not just from Duarte, of course, but he kind of has to start it, but from the rest of the starting lineup as well, especially the other guards, De'Aaron Fox, and even your three, uh, Harrison Barnes. 
is the does the Kings perimeter defense look better out of the gate with Chris Duarte starting? That's number one. And number two is if the defense does look better or not, how much does it impact the offense? Because if Chris Duarte came out there and did not fit with the Sacramento Kings offense, even if the defense was slightly better, if the Kings aren't having that floor spacing that Kevin Herter provides, there's no point. But the Kings offense did not miss a beat to start this game. Kevin Herter came right out, or uh, excuse me, Chris Duarte came right out of the gate, received the ball down low, got good position, looked like he was going to go up for a layup. When the defender came over to double team him and help him uh, help at the rim, Duarte found uh, Demontis Sabonis, who was cutting to the rim. Sabonis is fouled. He converts at the rim and one. It's a three point play right out of the gate. Like Chris Duarte made his impact on both ends of the floor immediately, and on the defensive side of the ball, I saw exactly what Mike Brown has been asking for. Battling over screens, cutting off the ball handler, not letting him just get to the basket or run past his screen and you're running around trying to chase him. Like bumping, being physical, making them feel you. That is what Mike Brown wanted from his perimeter defense. He said as much, and I played for you the clip yesterday. He said as much when he made this decision. He said Chris Duarte was doing those things that we've been asking from all of our guards with our perimeter defense. That's why he's getting this opportunity. Well, Chris continued to do that. Even De'Aaron Fox was doing that from time to time. Was the Kings defense perfect? Absolutely not. But Chris Duarte was making uh, Clay Thompson work. Was making Clay Thompson work really, really hard early on. I thought his defensive impact was very noticeable. And then offensively, the Sacramento Kings looked just fine. Again, one game sample size. I need to see more, and I need to see it against more than just one team in the Golden State Warriors. But if this continues, if this is how the Kings starting lineup can look consistently, if the offense is going to be around just as good, maybe there's a slight drop off with their three-point shooting because I do think Kevin Herter is a better three-point shooter and all-around offensive player than Chris Duarte is. But if the defense is noticeably better for a slight offensive drop off, that is the gamble, that is the trade that Mike Brown told me in answering my question at practice yesterday that he is willing to make. I was very impressed with what I saw from Duarte. Now, his numbers aren't necessarily eye-popping. He had five points, two of five shooting from the field, two assists, one rebound. He was plus nine in only 12 minutes of action. The only reason why he played just 12 minutes was because he ended up leaving this game with a knee injury. Now, Mike gave us good news after the game was over. Uh, He had an MRI. It's just a bone bruise, so he should be just fine. Hopefully, he's able to continue as normal for the remainder of preseason, and we'll see him again as a starter uh, on Wednesday night. But I, I was pleased with what I saw from Duarte. I'm not ready to give him the keys and give him the starting spot completely. Again, I still think this is Kevin's spot. But he did enough tonight, and the Kings offense and defense looked good enough tonight, at least out of the gate, for me to say, okay, I'm willing to take this a step further. I'm willing to experiment more with this. I'm willing to give this more than just like a, 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 a let it be a one-hit wonder, give it one try. Like I think Mike is going to seriously consider this for the remainder of training camp and preseason, and rightfully so. I'm interested, though, when we get to the regular season, let's say that Mike makes this move. Let's say that Chris Duarte is the guy, is the starting two for the Sacramento Kings come opening night against the Utah Jazz. At that point, he's going to his true rotation, which I think is a eight, nine man, maybe 10 man, but uh, but nine man rotation more, more than likely. That staggers a lot of the starters. 
what does the rotation look like with Mitchell, Monk, and Herter all coming off of the bench? Trey Lyles is probably in there, so there's nine right there. How are you getting JaVale McGee involved? And then we haven't even mentioned Sasha Vizenkov, who at that point is number 11. How are you getting these guys involved in these staggered lineups? I truly need to, I would need to see what Mike Brown's thought process is on this because at least in tonight's game, coming out of the, the, the starting unit, it was, I think, Trey Lyles and Kevin Herter that were the first ones into the game off the bench. And it was Harrison Barnes and um, Harrison Barnes and Chris Duarte who were who were subbed out first, and we saw even at times Kevin or um, Trey Lyles and Sasha Vizenkov playing the four and five tonight. Javale McGee did not play; he did not suit up uh, in tonight's game, but he's fine by all from all standards, or at least what we've been told. So. I'm very interested to see what the bench rotation and the staggered lineups look like if Chris Duarte is truly the play as a starter. I'm not ready, really. I'm not ready to proclaim him that yet. I still think it's Kevin Spot, and I encourage you to go once you're done listening to this podcast. If you haven't already, go to the Kings Beat, go to their YouTube channel, or go to James Ham's Twitter account and watch the video of Kevin Herter after the game because they talked to Kevin in the locker room, and. Reading Kevin's body language, listening to his answers, being asked about coming off the bench. Like, I think Kevin is handling this about as well as you possibly could. Like, as a pro, this is not easy to do. I can tell he's not happy. Why would he be? Why would a competitor be happy to lose his potentially lose his starting job, even if it's temporary, right? He doesn't look happy. He is not being made out as a scapegoat by any means, but if if he is replaced in the starting lineup and suddenly the starting lineup's defense is better it's easy to draw the conclusions to suggest that he's the weak link defensively in that starting lineup, which he very may well be. Like, I think Kevin is handling this as best as he probably could. I expect him to continue to work just like Mike Brown expects him to continue to work. I expect him to remain professional. And we'll see how this plays out. If, if the Kings started tomorrow, if the regular season started tomorrow and the Kings are playing the Utah Jazz tomorrow, Kevin Herter is my starting two. Still. But... Chris Duarte went from experiment to legitimate threat to take that starting two spot to me tonight. Like I said at the top of the show, today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Game Time. This is the app that you should be using all season long to buy your tickets because they have the best last-minute deals that you can possibly get. Look, buying tickets to whatever event especially a sporting event, but any event should not be stressful. And typically, the closer you get to the event, the more stressful it can get. Are you going to get the right tickets? Are they even good tickets? Are they the right price? Are they going to get to you uh, in a a safe manner in time for you to actually get to the event? Buying last-minute tickets is something uh, maybe we don't like to admit that we do, but a lot of us do because of our schedules in our life. We just don't know if we're going to be able to go until the night of, or maybe suddenly you have free time and you decide, you know what, I want to go to the Kings game tonight. Well, that's where game time comes into play because they have last minute flash deals that you just cannot miss. They will give you unbelievable prices and you can buy tickets in as quick as two clicks. Like you see what the game you want, you see the section you want, click, buy, click, they're in your inbox, you're ready to go, they're on your phone, you can head to the game uh, and buy them right then and there. Hell, you can even buy them while you're walking up to the event 
and they have amazing uh, images of what your view is going to look like from your seat, not just your section, not just the general area, but specifically your row and your seat, what your view is going to look like. I've used game time to buy last-minute tickets. I've told the story before. I did it to buy last-minute San Francisco Giants tickets during the playoffs last year uh, when I was covering the Sacramento Kings on an off night, and I just decided on a whim, hey, I'm going to go to the Giants game. Bought tickets, great tickets for super cheap. Game time is super easy to use, so go and download the game time app right now create an account and use code locked on nba for twenty dollars off of your first purchase terms apply again create an account redeem code locked on nba l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-n-b-a for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed you think demanda sabonis has been looking forward to play in the golden state warriors again my goodness save some for the regular season big fella Domas came out of the gate firing tonight, and he didn't care who was playing and who wasn't. He didn't care if Draymond Green was there or not, or Steph Curry was playing or not, or Chris Paul was playing or not, or if it was a preseason game or a regular season game or an NBA Finals game. Domas came into tonight's game with a mission, and that was to showcase what he's been working on this summer, particularly with that jump shot. He had 19 points tonight, 8 of 11 shooting from the field, 2 of 2 from 3-point range, 1 of 2 from the free throw line. I would have liked to see him get to the line more, but to be honest, the Kings got to the line, what, 18 times to Golden State's like 40 or almost 50 which is ridiculous, but you know what? I don't care. It's preseason. I'm not getting worried or, or bothered about anything like that. If that happens in the regular season, you best believe I'm going to be throwing a fit. But during the preseason, I don't care enough. Domas should have gotten to the line more than two times. Did have 11 rebounds, also five assists. Only played 25 minutes, so imagine if he played his normal 35. This is a triple-double, and he may have gotten like close to 20 boards, and he probably would have flirted with 30 points. Like Domas was on fire tonight. Nothing Kevon Looney could do to stop him. Nothing anybody could do to stop him. He was just spraying and hitting all over the floor. Uh, I, I thought he played very decisive basketball. Like, that might have been the biggest concern that I saw with Domas during the, uh, the the playoffs was he'd get the ball in his hands and Kevon Looney would back off of him and the Golden State Warriors did a great job game planning against him. And he didn't like look like he knew what to do with the ball. He kind of stood there, looked around, and realized, okay, I'm either going to shoot this, I guess, or I'm going to put the ball on the ground and attack the basket and see what happens. Not tonight. It was, I got the ball. I got a good look. I'm taking this three, and I'm making it with confidence. I got a good look from this mid-range. I'm putting it up. Maybe he made it. Maybe he missed it. More often than not, he made it. Or, you know what? I'm going to put this ball on the floor. I'm going to attack. I'm going right into the chest of Kevon Looney. I'm going to take this foul. I'm going to get to the foul line and convert the three-point play. I thought DeMontis Sabonis played very decisive, sharp, basketball. He wasn't afraid of anybody coming at him. Again, he has to prove that he can do this again on the regular season stage against the Warriors, and then he's going to be able to prove that, or got to prove this, that he has to do uh, consistently over the course of the playoffs, regardless of who the Kings play, when he and the Kings get back there uh, next year. But overall, like this is what I wanted to see out of DeMontis Zabonis, and I hope we see the exact same thing from Domas on, uh, on opening night of or the home opener rather against the Golden State Warriors when it's for real. I hope we see it then because I can't really brag about this tonight. I can't really go on social media and go at all the 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 lurking Golden State Warrior fans who are still in my mentions anytime I say anything remotely positive about Domas that has nothing to do with the Warriors. They're still there because apparently they care that much. Um, like I I can't brag to them after a preseason game. I could be very pleased with what I saw from Domas and I can have 
full confidence in him like I already did coming into this game. I have even more confidence in him now going into that game against the Golden State Warriors. I think on October 27th, Domas is going to eat, chew up, and spit out the Golden State Warriors in a lot of ways. Doesn't mean he's going to play a perfect game. Doesn't mean Kevon Looney's not going to beat him from time to time or the Golden State Warriors aren't going to potentially win that game. I think Domas is going to look really, really good. I think Domas has been chomping at the bit to get this opportunity to not just play the Warriors again, but to play again, period, and work on the things that he, uh, work on his shortcomings and his shortfalls and the things that he struggled with uh, in the preseason, or rather the postseason last year. Because as much as it bothered you and me that he was struggling and we had to hear the, the, the taunting and jawing of Golden State Warrior fans or whatever, I promise you, DeMontis Sabonis was more frustrated with himself and and his struggles than he was what people were saying about him. Although I'm sure I, he'll never tell you, and he, he'd probably never show it, but I imagine that got under his skin a little bit too with how they were talking about him all offseason long. One thing, one note that I have for Domas, I would like to see him be a little more aggressive with mismatches. Like there are a couple possessions where he got switched onto a guard like Clay Thompson was on him uh, or the uh, like a point guard was on him or even a three was on him. That's where I'd like to see Domas use that ox strength that he has and back someone down, get more on the block or under the basket, close to the rim, close to the restricted area, get yourself in the paint a little bit. If the help defense comes over, you're such a great passer. Find the open man. If not, if they're going to let you go one-on-one against a smaller man, go right over the top and don't hit a turnaround jumper or a hook shot. Go right up into their chest and try and score. Like That's what I want to see from Domas more when he has those mismatches and ta- is taking advantage of that a little bit more, especially with how much t- defenses are going to switch when trying to guard the Sacramento Kings. So that's, that's my note of what I would like to see more out of Domas from this game tonight. The Sacramento Kings... We're 15 of 45 from three-point range tonight. It's the, they now have taken 140 threes through three preseason games. 140, a 53 game in game one, and then 45 in both games two and game three, if I'm not mistaken. 15 of 45 tonight, still in the the 30s. I think it's like 33% or something like that. It is 33%. So, I, at this point, feel that 45 threes is too much. Like, I thought, like, early on, the Sacramento Kings were hitting. They could not miss from three-point range early. They cooled off significantly in the second quarter and then ended up shooting in the, in, like I said, in the, the low 30s for the game. I do think that the Kings did a much better job of of getting threes in the flow of their offense, off of dribble handoffs, and specifically off of paint touches, which is Mike Brown's term that he uses, get into the paint, uh, get downhill, touch, let the ball touch the paint, whether it's Domas in the high post, Domas in the low post, De'Aaron Fox attacking the basket and drawing a crowd, whatever it may be, paint touch, kick out to open three. That's what the Golden, or that's what the Sacramento Kings uh, were really, really successful with with their perimeter shooting last year, and we saw elements of that, especially in the first quarter. Things were really working in their favor in that sense. They slowed down kind of for the rest of the game. I just think in the in the preseason there's been an over reliance on threes. Not that they've all been terrible shots. I'd say the vast majority of the 45 threes that the Kings are putting up are good looks, but I still think the Kings can get better and they can do more around the rim, plus they're so deadly in the paint and around the rim. You want to exploit that and use that more, especially if you're trying to get teams in foul trouble, which the Kings did not do a good job getting the Warriors in foul trouble tonight. I think there's too much of an over-reliance on threes. I think I asked Trey Lyles 
and King's practice this or this past week or over the weekend on Saturday, I think I asked him about if the if the Kings had set a number for threes in a game yet. And he 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 said not yet that they hadn't decided what that number is yet. And I, I'm going to try and ask Mike Brown that question next time I get an opportunity to. My number at this point is 40. Like the Kings were in the mid to high 30s last season as a team. Being over 40 isn't necessarily a bad thing, and they might have games every now and then where they're at 45 or 50, but every single game, if the Kings were at 45 or 50, unless they're shooting 40-plus percent from three-point range, which is difficult to do, I just don't... I don't think... I think the Kings can get better looks. I think they're settling a little bit, bit too much. Like, five fewer threes, and the Kings still make 15 of them, but they get five other looks from mid-range or at the rim... I think the Sacramento Kings overall are better off. Maybe it's a little nitpicky. It's not a major thing. I just think the Sacramento Kings are a little too reliant on the three-point shot at this point in time. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. I'm so glad this sponsor is back. I talked a lot about them last season. Mental health is so incredibly important. We're seeing the... Uh, We're seeing mental health be taken way more seriously in professional sports period, especially in the NBA. They're like mental health staff members and coaches and therapists and things like that that you see uh, on NBA staffs and NBA payrolls now, which I think is fantastic. Mental health is so unbelievably important, and I've explained this before and told this story before when talking about BetterHelp. Therapy is something that I started going to and seeing and my family started going to and seeing during COVID time. And it's one of the best decisions that I ever made to where I have a great relationship with my therapist. I see him a lot less frequently than I did when I initially started, but even having those check-ins with him, I look forward to those check-ins because he provides me with a very interesting perspective on some of my issues that I didn't need or didn't realize um, that I do need, that I didn't know that I needed because he's obviously practiced he went to school he, he knows how to do this uh, a trained psychologist trained therapist knows how to handle these things and unpack these things when I do not having therapy is just such a healthy outlet that I encourage everybody to try and if you're looking of trying therapy or, or giving better help a try you're making the right decision it's entirely online designed to be convenient flexible and suited to your schedule all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge make your brain your friend with better help visit betterhelp.com slash locked on nba today to get 10 percent off of your first month that's betterhelp h-e-l-p.com slash locked on nba so this Kings-Warriors game did end up going into overtime. I know I saw a lot of Kings fans on social media going, just call the game. Like, we don't need to play five extra minutes. It's preseason. It doesn't matter. Just call the game. And and honestly, part of me felt that way. Like, I, we don't need to see more of this. It's, it's preseason. It's over. Just call it. It's fine. But then I saw the players that were actually playing, specifically for the Sacramento Kings, guys like Colby Jones, Jalen Slauson, Jordan Ford, Keon Ellis. And I'm thinking, like, this, this these are extended clutch minutes for players that are developing. And if these minutes can be essential in their development, then they are more than worth it for both teams. So I'm glad there was a preseason overtime. Not glad that the Sacramento Kings lost in preseason overtime, but it was good to see those extra minutes and that opportunity going to some of those young guys. How cool of a moment was that 
game-tying layup for Jordan Ford, right? Think about this. You grow up in Sacramento. You grow up a Kings fan. Everybody who grows up a fan of a team dreams of having a moment like that. Like, we go into our backyard, right, and we're dribbling the ball as kids, and we're counting our head. Five, four, three, two, for the win! You chuck up that shot, right? And then you make it, and the crowd goes wild, or if you miss it, you pretend it didn't happen, go back in time and do it again until you did make it, right? I did that. Everybody does that. And you imagine the moment of the crowd, your family, your friends, your city cheering for you and cheering your name and erupting together in that amazing moment of elation, and Jordan Ford just lived that. It was in a preseason game, but still, it was a game-tying bucket Not a buzzer beater, but very close to a buzzer beater at the end of a close game that sent this game into overtime in front of a sellout crowd despite it being a preseason game. And of course, no surprise at all that Sacramento Kings fans went as crazy as they did inside the Golden 1 Center. We go nuts for summer league basketball here during the California Classic. Nobody should be surprised at all. I heard people talking about it. Uh, and, of course, like there are comments about it on the ESPN broadcast. Like, wow, like look at this turnout for a Sacramento Kings game and uh, for during a preseason game. My goodness. Now, that's par for the course for Sacramento, baby. That's just what we do. We make noise like that regardless of the game counts or not. So I was fired up to see that. I'm glad Jordan Ford got that moment. I thought Colby Jones and Keon Ellis played really well. Colby Jones is going to be, I think, really solid for the Sacramento Kings. Like every time he comes in and play, he just does something right. He had eight points, four, seven shooting from the field, two assists, 14 minutes, played some really good defense at times. Keon Ellis in his second year, really solid game two, 11 points, four of seven from the field, three of five from three-point range, two minutes, or rather two rebounds in 13 minutes. Like those, those overtime minutes and fourth quarter minutes are essential for those guys. And I think the Stockton Kings this year with Colby, with Jalen, with Jordan, with Keon, I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. So I'm very interested in Stockton Kings basketball as well this season, in addition to Sacramento Kings. But all right, now I want to hear from you. What did you think of this Kings game? What did you think of Chris Duarte in the starting lineup? Kevin Herter coming off the bench. Your thoughts on DeMontis Sabonis and his performance? Anything else that I missed that you want to touch on? Send me your thoughts after this Kings game. You can reach me on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Thank you so much for supporting the Locked on Kings podcast. As always, have more pods coming for you from Kings practices and things like that as we continue preseason. Wednesday, the Kings play the Golden State Warriors. I have Scott Freshour, the Sacramento Kings MC, uh, is joining me on Tuesday. We're going to discuss what it was like to, and he grew up a, sac- a diehard Sacramento Kings fan. He's the voice of the Kings other than Scott Moe, does the PA work? Uh, Fresh Hour is different. He's the guy uh, that's hyping you up before the fourth quarter and hyping you up before the game starts. Like talking to Fresh, he's a friend of mine. Uh, I'm I'm very interested to hear his perspective on what it was like emceeing in the playoffs for the first time for him. Plus, he's going to tell us all about the great stuff coming to Sacramento Kings games this year. So I'm very excited for that. I have another really big interview coming over the uh, in the very near future that I'm excited about. Won't say anything more about that, but it has to do with the Stockton Kings. So I'm looking forward to that uh, in the very near future. Uh, so more great content coming for you here on the Locked on Kings podcast. One more week of preseason basketball, and then... It's regular season time, a week from Wednesday. Very excited to get this ball rolling. Very excited to get this party started, and I'm thankful to have you with me. So thank you again. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.